Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Over the years, science has advanced the use of radiation and the scope of medicines in the fight against cancer, but at what cost? Today, we focus on the combination of two medical fields, cardiology and oncology, with Dr. Tolu Ungubiade, the director of the Baltimore Cardio-Oncology Program with the MedStar Heart and Vascular Institute. I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to MedStar Health Doc Talk. Dr. Ungubiade. Thanks for having me on today, Mike. Thank you for being here. This is uh, something that, that I had a question about when I realized you were coming on, which is uh, somewhat seems to me a new field. What mm -hmm. is cardio-oncology? So that's a great question. So it's a growing field that consists of cardiologists with a special focus on caring for cancer patients. So some cancer patients can develop heart problems caused by the chemotherapy or the radiation therapy that they receive. And that's an effect known as cardiotoxicity. So as cardio-oncologists, we focus on preventing, minimizing, and treating this heart damage in this patient population. And we work as a larger part of the cancer team. So when did it become its own field and why? So it's happened over the last several years. Um, as cancer treatments have become more efficacious and patients are living longer, which we're really happy to see, we're also seeing that they are developing the late effects of some of the treatments they receive. And they're developing things like arrhythmias or rhythm problems or heart failure or coronary disease that can be related to the treatments they received in the past. And so a field of people with a special interest and expertise in this patient population and treating these complications that may develop and ultimately preventing them um, from even happening is developing for that reason. There's also a lot of room for research in this area as we see that um, also as we see more medications are coming out to treat cancers effectively and we're realizing that there are also potential side effects that can affect the heart. So then should everyone who's being treated for cancer need the services of someone like you? So that's a great question, and I would say that not everybody that um, has been treated for cancer needs to see a cardiologist or cardio-oncologist. I would say that patients should consider seeing us if they develop any problems that could be related to the heart, um, such as if they develop symptoms like chest pain, shortness of breath, if you notice that you have swelling in your legs that wasn't there before. Um, some patients develop palpitations, um, which is when the heart flutters or beats differently in the chest. Um, so if you develop any of those symptoms, either during or after treatment, I think that would be a time to consider seeing us. And then in the survivorship phase, um, if you know that you're at high risk of developing problems related to the treatments you may have received in the past, that's another situation where it might be worth seeing a cardio-oncologist um, to discuss what screening you may need down the road, for example. The oncologist that a patient would go to, mm -hmm. would, those, would that be something that the, the, the patient would first discuss that with the oncologist and the oncologist say, oh, I think I need you to see this person? Is that how it would work? Yeah, great question. So typically, yes. So if the oncologist is treating a patient and they notice any concerning signs or symptoms, they would often be the ones to say, hey, I think you should see a cardiologist um, or a cardio-oncologist because they know also the potential effects of the treatments that the patient is receiving and whether cardiac toxicity is one of them. Um, and then when patients are no longer seeing the oncologist, the primary care physician might be the one that recognizes new symptoms that may be concerning and says, hey, I think you should see a cardio-oncologist because you had this treatment in the past and you're developing, you've developed these subsequent symptoms. 
Can you drill down a little bit on that phrase you use? Yeah. Cardiotoxicity? Was that what I was hearing right? Yeah. yeah. So cardiotoxicity basically meaning that you got a treatment. Um, so they got the chemotherapy or the radiation therapy, which is effective for treating the cancer. But at the same time, it can have effects on the heart. And so it causes some um, cardiac toxicity or cardiotoxicity. So the new drugs are powerful. They, they're good. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're advancements over what has gone on in the past, but mm -hmm. I'm sure some of them you probably see more of in your line of work than perhaps some others. What are some of the ones that perhaps patients should be aware of that, well, maybe they need to be looking for some symptoms? Okay. So the classic ones that we always thought of were things like anthracyclines. Um, so those are used to treat very often breast cancer, some lymphomas, some other solid tumors, um, and then also the anti-HER2 therapies, so things like Herceptin that some breast cancer patients receive. Those are the ones that we most thought of in the past because we know that those have associated cardiac toxicities um, that we watch for and that the oncologist also watches for and screens for while the patient's on treatment. So if patients are receiving those or have received those in the past, then I would say that's one, that's one on the list that I would consider. And then, um, but nowadays, we also have newer medications, um, immune checkpoint inhibitors, which are great for treating a wide variety of malignancies. Um, and we are seeing reports of those and cases of those also having effects on the heart that we're monitoring for. Those are the drugs that, you know, cause someone perhaps to come see you. Let's look at that question from a different point mm -hmm. of view, which is then, are there any particular cancers that may lend themselves to someone needing to see you. So along the lines of the anthracyclines and the anti-HER2 therapies, like Herceptin, I would say breast cancer patients receive those two, um, mostly. And so a lot of breast cancer patients would be the ones I would think of. And then any other malignancies that are treated by the anthracycline, so people with lymphoma who had it either um, in childhood or in earlier in life, it's still there's a risk with the anthracyclines later on. Um, and then patients who are being treated with the new immune checkpoint inhibitors, that's a wide variety of different malignancies, so too many to name. To what degree then does gender uh, play a role in this? So we don't have, there isn't a ton of information on that. So I wouldn't say that there is any particular um, gender that has an increased incidence of developing the cardiac toxicity. When exactly did cardio-oncology kind of become its own field and start to produce specialists? So in the past couple of years, I would say. Right. Mm -hmm. And your business then, the, the patients you see, mm -hmm. uh, how much of that is, you know, strictly the oncology part and how much is the cardio part and how much is the mix? <laughs> as far as my own practice? Yeah. So I see a mix. Um, a lot of my patients are, so I'm a, I'm a heart failure specialist. So I see a lot of those patients and then I see a fair number of patients referred to me by the oncologist because of they've developed complications either during or after or they're high risk pre. So I see a good mix of them. You know, for someone who's been diagnosed with cancer, it's such a scary time for mm -hmm. them and for their family and the people who love them. And, you know, no one knows what the outcome is going to be. And, of course, everybody hopes for the best. So it, as part of that journey, at what point should they see someone like you? So I usually say if someone is at high risk of developing complications, so if they see the oncologist and they have a lot of risk factors, for example, that will place them at increased risk of developing cardiac toxicity, even before they start treatment, in some cases it's 
good to see us so that we can see what we can do from a preventive perspective and to kind of lay out a plan for monitoring. Um, if someone is has pre-existing heart conditions and they will be receiving therapies that could affect their heart, that's another situation where I think it would be good to see a cardiologist, a cardio-oncologist, um, so that we can tell you if there's anything else that we need to be doing differently going into your treatment. And then for patients while they're on therapy, if they develop any concerns relate that the symptoms could be related to the heart, it's always a good idea to have them checked out by a cardio-oncologist. You know, to back up a, a second, that when people are diagnosed and they're trying to manage the case and they mm-hmm. have people help them, you know, there, there are concerns. What, what are the first things that you tell them in order to alleviate some of those fears about your role and how you hope to help them? So that's a great point um, because a lot of people, when they're first diagnosed with cancer, it's a lot, right? You're seeing a lot of specialists, you're getting a lot of tests and they're like, you need to go see a heart doctor and patients are like, why am I seeing a heart doctor? Right. Right. And I think I tell them, first of all, that, you know, my goal at the end of the day is to help you get the best treatment for the cancer you have, right? And to get through that without having any effect on your heart or minimizing the effect on your heart. That's the goal. So the goal is not to say that, tell your oncologist that you can't receive this treatment, right? The goal is to try to get you through your treatment safely. And so I start there and then I kind of walk through, okay, so this is what we'll be doing. This is my role, which is to kind of do a thorough history and physical and say, okay, what are your risk factors and what would place you at increased risk? Or if you already have symptoms, this is what I think it could be. And this is how we would then manage it, right? Just making sure that they know there's a plan for whatever may come up and whatever we are dealing with that will not hopefully interfere with their cancer treatment, which is often at the forefront of everyone's minds at that point. Do you have at the top of your head any success stories, any, anything that really did work out well because your type of uh, treatment and intervention was helpful? Yeah, so patients, so I see several women with breast cancer, for example, who are on therapies, like I mentioned, that can affect the heart. And so as part of that, we get echocardiograms, which are ultrasounds of the heart to look to see if there is any effect if the it's not squeezing as well as it should, for example, um, at any point in time with their treatment. And so there are some patients I've had where we've seen a small decrease in the function. And then by the guidelines, you have to kind of hold therapy. We get them on the appropriate medications that are cardioprotective that can help the heart muscle to get stronger. And then they've been able to continue or resume the treatment after a few weeks, which is always the goal. And that's always great. And patients are always very happy. Everybody likes to hear that they're going to get stronger. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, again, someone's freshly diagnosed and they've Mm -hmm. got a million things on their mind. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, someone's saying, well, maybe you should go see a cardiologist sort of seems like at the face of it out of left field, but it's not. Mm -hmm. So, so why would you recommend for someone who's maybe not been told by a professional to go see a cardiologist by talking, listening to you? Why Mm -hmm. would that, what would you tell them why that's a good idea that in addition to all the other stuff you're Mm -hmm. trying to sort through, hey, also take the time to schedule something with your cardiologist. So I think that it would be for those patients, I would say they should talk to either the oncologist or the primary care physician and say, hey, do you think that I should see a cardiologist or a cardio-oncologist? Because they will at least have an idea of what their baseline risk factors are or what their other cardiac problems are. And so if the primary care physician or the oncologist says, you know what, you do have hypertension, high cholesterol, diabetes, obesity, right? Smoking, all these multiple risk factors, right? And we're going to be giving you treatments that could affect the heart down the road. Yes, I do think you should consider seeing a cardio oncologist so that they can help with risk factor modification early. 
Um, so I think that I would have that discussion with the primary care physician or the oncologist, um, just so that there's at least, they're at least saying, yes, I do think you would benefit from it because you're at increased risk upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that that's what I would do. So then why has there been an increased interest in your specialty? So that's a good question. So I think as we're just seeing more patients that are living longer with cancer with after having been treated for the cancer, and then we're seeing more of the complications down the road. And there are centers that are now training for this. We're having more research in the field, and there's just more that we can do. I think that's part of why it's becoming such an interesting field. And also being able to serve this patient population um, that is going through a very difficult time as it is. I think you alluded to this, but uh, is it more common now that you know, patients are experiencing a, a higher risk of the cardiotoxicity associated with the new chemos? So I don't, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily having higher toxicities. I think that the toxicities we knew about were always there, but as patients are living longer there, we might, we're seeing some of those down the stream, downstream effects. So they're living into the fifties, sixties, right? And so the therapies they may have received several years ago, we're seeing them develop the cardiac toxicities um, in the fifties and sixties because they're just living longer. That's an interesting point, though. So we're mm-hmm. not talking necessarily about new treatments. This is something which may have that they they may have experienced years and years ago yeah. that is now just starting to manifest itself in their lives. So later on, because the, so as people are treated, the treatments for cancer therapy are better, and so as people are living longer, then we're they're living long enough for them to see the potential cardiac effects, some of them down the mm-hmm. road. But at the same time, we also have these new drugs that are amazing for treating the cancers, right? But we've also seen from the data that's coming out that they can also affect the heart. And so it's both, right? Right, because when they initially were designing the drug, the goal was to Mm -hmm. make it beat cancer and, of course, be safe. Yes. But as everything evolves, you find out that, you know, perhaps there is some impact on the heart later on. Yeah, there can be some off-target effects, which is not... It's not uncommon. We just need to know about them and then know how, what to do if they do come up and how to screen and treat them. So then uh, walk me through. How does the cardiologist work with the patient's oncologist? So we, we work very closely with them. Um, and I see them in these cases as our true partners because their goal is to treat the cancer, right? And when they send a patient to us, our goal is there is to make sure the heart will be safe through the cancer treatment and with the cancer treatment that they'll be receiving. So after we see the patient, I decide on the kind of testing that I think they should need, whether it's um, additional imaging or some blood tests. And once I've come up with the assessment, I then reach out to the oncologist and say, hey, this is what I think. This is what I did for the patient, right? And I think that it's safe for her to proceed with this treatment without any concerns or I'm starting her on this medication to help protect her as she gets this treatment. There are some rare situations if someone has a lot of or significant cardiac dysfunction, right, Mm -hmm. Um, where we may need to talk talk to the oncologist about Concerning alternative therapies, um, if we don't think that they can, the heart can tolerate the initially planned treatments. The goal at the end of the day is for the patient to be safe. And then we also participate in multidisciplinary meetings. So with the oncologist, the surgeon, the radiation oncologist, if it's a more complicated case, and we're trying to decide the best treatment option for the patient in that situation. I like what you said. The goal at the end of the day is for the patient to be safe. Mm-hmm. At the end, of the, right, right from the jump, yep. right there. The um, yeah, but I don't know. But 
I, I don't imagine people sort of have a baseline of what their, what their heart was doing before they receive treatment. So, so how can you tell, or is there a test to see um, if there is heart damage and if that mm -hmm. was caused by the cancer treatment? So that's a great question. Um, so depending on the treatments that someone will be receiving. So for example, um, in breast cancer patients, if they're going to be receiving some of the treatments I mentioned, the anthracyclines or the anti-HER2, they actually get an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart at the beginning. To, so to, that to we can establish see, that baseline. Yep, to establish yeah. that baseline, make sure that their heart is working well and that there are no concerns up front before they start treatment. And then for the anti-HER2 therapy, for example, they actually get echocardiograms or ultrasounds of the heart every three months. Yeah. Um, so if they're going to be receiving treatments that can affect the heart, often they will have a baseline ultrasound of the heart done. So we know what things look like and we can determine later on if something else has happened. Um, in addition to the ultrasounds of the heart, sometimes we end up getting MRIs if we're looking for inflammation in the heart, like a cardiac MRI, for example. And then depending if they're having chest pain, shortness of breath, patients may need stress tests and things like that. Um, but it just depends on exactly what scenario we're dealing with. But depending on the treatment, we may have a baseline, which is usually very great. I know a lot of people want to, um, you know, they're happy to be able to see a doctor and to, mm -hmm. to uh, become healthier. But at a certain point, they want to stop seeing a doctor. How, how does it, if things are going well, do I need to see you forever? Or is there a measure of success where you're like, this person's doing good. That's good. Thank you. Great to see you, um, you know, come back if you need me again. I think that depends on what they came to see me, what brought them to see me in the first place. Um, and so if they came to me because they had a true cardiac problem, chances are I'll be seeing them for some time. And it won't be necessarily be as often. It, and if they're doing very well, the intervals in between won't be very close as far as the visits, but it really truly depends on what brought them to see me in the first place because some patients need monitoring even ongoing, right, for years and years because the risk doesn't ever become zero depending on the treatment that they received. Great. So what is your message for cancer survivors? So I think the message I would leave is just be in tune with your body. If you notice either during treatments or after treatment, you've started noticing any symptoms that are concerning, things like chest pain or chest pressure, especially with exertion. If you start having shortness of breath, a lot of us explain those symptoms away and say, oh, we're just gaining weight or we're just getting older. Um, or if you start having any swelling in your legs, that's new. If you start having symptoms that are concerning, I always encourage patients to talk to your primary care physician, who's usually the one they're seeing at that point in time, especially if they're no longer seeing the oncologist, and ask them, hey, I have these symptoms. Do you think I should see somebody? Um, I think it's also great to ask your oncologist um, if you are receiving at the end of treatment, for example, hey, any of, did any of the treatments I received, do they place me at increased risk down the road of having any heart problems? Is there anything I used to need to look out for? Should I be monitored for anything so that at least you have a game plan? And if they say yes, you know, I think some of the things you receive could be a problem potentially down the road, that might be a good time to say, let me talk to a cardio oncologist so I can come up with a plan for when if I need, and if I need to be monitored. You have been very interesting to talk to. I can see how <laughs> your patients uh, probably like coming to go see you. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. We've been talking to Dr. Tolu Angumbiade. Thank you for sharing your experience here on Doc Talk. It's been a real pleasure. For more information on cardio-oncology at MedStar Health, go to medstarheartinstitute.org 
backslash programs backslash cardio hyphen oncology.